Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I am uh, starting a new series, first Sunday of 2019. Uh, we're starting a new series called Encounter, and uh, it's, it's actually a, probably an overused word in church culture, uh, is encounter, encounter with God. But I want to tell you this, I, I want to give you over this month some very practical steps in how to encounter God in your day-to-day life. We, we talk a lot about encountering God in this context, in a service, but I, I, I want it, I, I really want to equip you to encounter God in your day-to-day life, in your home, in your car, on your job. And so we're going to be talking about encounter, and uh, we've started this 21-day fast, and we'd love for you, like I said, to join us uh, at, at any time if you'd like to start today. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit today on what it is and why we do uh, what we do, and uh, we would, would encourage you to just, just check it out. And so today we're going to talk about how to encounter God through fasting, how to encounter God through fasting, through prayer and through fasting. We're going to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read in the message translation. It's a paraphrase translation. Matthew chapter 6 uh, verse 5 says this, and when you come before God, when you pray, when you get with him, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Fine. Now, this is, he gives us a real clear uh, description of what we need to do. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Then when you get there, just be there. As simply and as honestly as you can manage, the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense, feel, recognize his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. That's almost enough to go home on. I mean, that's, that's good right there. You can pray very simply. Did, did you know that God's not looking for a show out of you? He's, he's just looking for the authentic you. He's looking for the real you. He's, he's looking for you to be there simply with him. I think coming before God can become uh, way too much of, of, of a thing, of a production, of a here we are. And this scripture just kind of breaks it all down and says, just come before me simply. Just come before me simply. I want to talk about uh, this entire month about how to encounter God in your personal life because I believe our lives should be full of God encounters. I believe if we serve a God that's alive, a God that's speaking, a God that's powerful, a God that's present, then we should hear him, we should sense him, we should experience him, we should encounter him on a day-to-day basis, not just in church, not just after one fast song, two slow songs, not just in a time of prayer, not just in a religious setting, not just at a conference, not just at a seminar. We should be able to, in our day-to-day lives, interact with this God who gave his son so that we can interact with him. It just makes sense, doesn't it? I've heard people say, well, I didn't even know God could speak. It's so sad to me because why would you serve a God How could you serve a God and think, a God that is God, God Almighty, God outside of time and space, God of the universe, God that sent Jesus, that God, and think that he wouldn't speak? 
Or that you can sense, some people say, well, that's weird that you can sense the presence of God. Do you know what the presence of God means? Presence of God means God's here. Your presence is here because you're here. My presence is here because I'm here. I want God's presence because that means he's here. I'm going to tell you this. I want to be where God is. I want to be where he's moving. I want, to be where, I want to be around the people that he's moving in. I want to be around the churches that he's moving in. I want to be where God is. I want to be in, in, in association and partnership with what he's doing. I want, to, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I don't want to be a part of what God did. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be on the new wave. I want to be on the cutting edge. I want to be a part of the living, moving, breathing organism that is the church, Jesus Christ, that is moving. Church shouldn't be dead. Church should be alive. Church should be a place of encounter. Church should be a place of sound. Church should be a, should be a place of volume. Church should be a place of faith. Church should be a place of cheering. I saw some crazy fans last night. Some crazy fans. They loved me in my Seattle Seahawks jersey. Pastor Keon was with us, and I told him, I said, hey, man, like, I got to preach tomorrow and stuff, so if you could protect me for the next four hours, I would really appreciate it, because I didn't know, you know. And so um, I contemplated taking it off after the game, but I didn't. I walked right out boldly, but just very quickly. Verse 5 that we read, it says this, it says, and when you come before God, don't turn it in to a theatrical production. I think that there is this, this, this pull, probably unintentionally, by even religious organizations or churches, that, 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 that there, you have to put on something to be with God. You have to look a certain way, sound a certain way, have a social status at a certain level, be something, pray a certain way, lift your hands a certain way, respond a certain way. And this scripture, it peels all of that away because what God is after more than anything is relationship. He's not after the production. He's not after the show. He is after relationship. Have you ever felt like, man, I just don't really like look like a man of God, look like a woman of God. I don't really like perform like they do, or I don't worship like they do, pray like they do. All of that doesn't matter because God wants you. Not a theatrical production. He just wants you. I, I remember, like, I, I grew up in church, and I started preaching when I was 16 years old. So I, I, was, I came on staff uh, at our church when I was 20, and uh, started running our intern program. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, w- I was in it. And this is really embarrassing to say, but I was full of fire, and I had zero grace and zero tact. I'm like... You told me you were too busy to pray. I'll be like, you backslidden, complacent. Like, you too, what's your priority? Like, man, if God's your priority, you make time for it. You ate, didn't you? I mean, welcome to 20-year-old Dustin. Thank God you're getting 37-year-old Dustin. And hopefully it keeps on getting better. Because I was full of fire, but I was lacking grace. You know, it's, I, I was it's so immature in my faith that sometimes even, and I had a mentor tell me this. He said, Dustin, like, when you pray, your voice changes. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, deeper? Like, Pastor Tyler's? I mean, like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? And uh, he, he, he says, your voice changes. You know, you hear, you hear those people pray. Like, dear Lord, Jesus, Father, God, Jehovah, Yahweh. Could, it's like, man, it's like, you don't have to tell them all his names. It's like, it's like my son ran up to me and like, hey, dad, Dustin Bates, mister. I mean, it's like, bro, I'm your dad, chill. Like, because he can come before me simply. But, but there's this thing, I had a mentor that was like, man, you just gotta like, you just gotta be real. 
You can talk. Even when I preach, my voice would like completely change. It's like, oh, welcome to the house of God. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's getting hot in here. It's a fire of God. Ha! I mean, it's just, you know, it's just all fire and no tact. I still like to do that a little bit, but save it for conference, so. I had to learn that God wasn't looking for the theatrical version of me. He was looking for the simple version of me. He was looking for the unimpressive version of me. He was looking for the unprepared version of me. He was looking for the real version of me. And my relationship with God took a deeper level when I realized that I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't have to have it all together. I didn't have to talk a certain way, pray a certain way, but I could actually like be totally honest with God and be like, God, I want to love you. Right, because we say, I love you, but it's like, do we? So I, I was able to get to the honest place where I was like, I wanna love you. I wanna love reading the word. Like, that's my nap time, God. Whenever I, I mean, that's like my sleep pill right there, it just goes out. Like, I wanna love it, though. Did you know that that honesty, that authenticity begins to draw God into your situation? Every time you step out of authenticity, you step into production. Every time I step out of the authentic version of me and step into the producing version of me, I step out of authenticity. Fasting, and in, 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 in what we're talking about even today, encountering God through fasting, fasting is such an important discipline of your life. I, I, when I was in internship, my, I did interns years ago, and uh, when I was doing interns, we had like mandatory fasting. So I don't know how that works, you know, like with your heart being in it and stuff, but it was mandatory fast. We do three-day fast. Like, you're going to fast. Like, you're not going to eat for three days. And I was 18. And I'm like, that doesn't work. Like, my, I don't function if I don't have food, you know. So, so my, 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 my buddies and I, we were like, man, we're, we're hardcore. Like, we're going to do this fast. And then we'd take every food that you can imagine, and we would put it in a blender. Because our concept was, if we didn't eat it, then we didn't eat. Right? I mean, we're doing liquids, I would just make it a liquid. Literally, my buddy put a, put a piece of steak into the, if you never had a steak shake before, I'm just gonna tell you, it's terrible. It's terrible. Because you, you, you know what we had, is we had the practice without the principle. We, 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 we said we fasted, but we really didn't fast. Because what we were doing was so that we could check the box that we did it, not because our heart was in it. I'm going to tell you this, God is always looking at our heart. He wants you to give cheerfully. He wants you to love selflessly. He wants you to fast, in not just in principle to check the box, but to step into the rewards that come from a life of fasting and in prayer. A lot of people say, well, what, what exactly is a fast? Let me give this to you. A fast is refraining from food for a spiritual reason. That's a definition. I'm going to refrain from food for a spiritual reason. Jensen Franklin, great pastor, he, he said this, fasting is like tying a string around your finger to remember God. So that every time you have a hunger pain, I remember God. Every time I want this that I'm fasting from, I can say, God, I'm more hungry for you than I am for this. I am choosing to have daily disciplines. And when, as we're taking this 21 days of fast and prayer, all kinds of people are doing different types of fast, but everybody is abstaining from something that they want. 
And in doing that, every time you want that, now you turn your affection and you turn your attention to God. Jensen Franklin says this, fasting dethrones the rule of our demanding fleshy appetites so that we can more easily follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. A biblical version, a definition of fast is literally to cover your mouth to push away the plate, to refuse food. Fasting is choosing to say no to something in your life so that you can put greater focus on something else. This fast is about choosing to say no to some things that we would normally partake in so that we can take more time to focus on that which matters. I I don't know if this has happened to you, if you've already started the fast. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it happened to me. It's like things that I normally wouldn't even crave I'm craving just because I can't have them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're sitting at the game last night, and I could just sense something coming down the stairs. I could smell it before I got there. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up with, like, one of the most beautiful burgers you've ever seen. And I don't even eat burgers. Like, I'm, like, lean and mean. Like, but that burger, I was like, oh, my goodness. But I know I can't have it. And it did something in my mind. I'm like, I really want that burger. Like, I really, if that dude looked away for about three seconds, I'd have it. I mean, it's just like, I wanted it bad. It's amazing what happens when you tell your flesh you can't have something. You want it. But I'm going to tell isn't that a good practice? To practice telling your flesh no? The Bible describes your flesh as the part of you that is carnal. Or the part of you that is selfish. Or the part of you that wants what it wants. Your flesh, if you're sinning, you're operating in the flesh. Okay, so so the Bible talks about this and, and explains this. Fasting is not depriving yourself to prove something to God. It is depriving yourself to sharpen your spiritual senses. See, some people say like, God, don't you see how I'm suffering? Now answer my prayer. That's not what a fast is. A fast is so that you would pray more. A fast is to sharpen your spiritual senses so that you can recognize, understand, perceive, discern that God is there and God is answering. My fast is not for God. It's for me. See, this is where we sometimes get it twisted that that fasting isn't for God. Well, if I won't eat for the next 40 days, God will answer my prayer. No, the reason that God will answer your prayer because in those 40 days, you are a new level of dependence on God than you ever had in your life. God's drawn to dependence. God's drawn to brokenness. God's drawn to emptiness. And so when you create that in yourself, God comes. So the reason God answers your prayer after a 21-day fast is not because he saw you skipping a meal and thought, my goodness, I better answer their prayer. It was because by skipping a meal, your flesh died and your spirit came awake and you begin to interact and connect with God on a new level and that connection with God brought about an answer. Does this make sense to anybody? If we would begin to fast and we would begin to pray, it is not about a show or a production before God. It's about telling our flesh, you're losing today. And I am going to begin to sharpen my spiritual senses. Dependence and brokenness draw God. And a fast creates those feelings. You know, there's, there's a cultural um, kind of move uh, right now. And I get in trouble about talking about this a little bit, but I'm going to anyways. Um, it's, you know, I'm better than when I was 20. I'm just making progress. But, and, and I'm not trying to knock anybody that does this, but if the shoe fits, you know. Um, People talk all the time about self-care. Self-care. I got to take care of myself. Which, which, is, which actually means this. It means I want to do what I want, how I want to do it. Don't interrupt me. 
Because self-care is not ever looking like taking care of others, right? It's taking care of self. So I think a better way to say it would be, according to scriptures, flesh care. Because it's what I want. It's what I want to do. Now, I'm all about sabbaticals, Sabbaths, vacations, taking days off, having margin. I want you to know that. I'm, I'm, I'm all for you taking care of yourself. I'm all for hygiene. I'm all, I'm all for you making sure you're kept. All right? I'm all, I'm all for it. But when self-care becomes my excuse to feed my flesh, I have now stepped out of care and I am now actually damaging the thing that I want to build, which is my spirit. So what happens is when we become more self-conscious, we become less God-conscious. So what fasting does is it makes me God-conscious and less self Well, this kind of flies in the face of everything that most people would tell you. Well, you got to take care of you. Don't let anybody tell you that they need your time. Sounds like Jesus' ministry, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus withdrew to a mountain to pray. Oh, that was self-care. And then he got interrupted and came and fed the 5,000. Your, your self-care, if, if, let, me, let me just give some different definitions for you. Self-care should actually be spirit care. Because I don't want to take care of my flesh. I want, to, I want my flesh. Paul said it this way. He wanted to kill his flesh. He said, I got to deny this. He said, I beat my body and I make it my slave. Does that sound like self-care? He says, I beat this body and I make it my slave so that my flesh will not disqualify, disqualify me from what God wants to do through my life. So I am going to tend to my spirit. The spirit is the part of you that connects with God. Fasting and prayer will sharpen your spiritual senses. I want to be, I don't, I don't want to have self-care. I want to have spirit care. I'm going to take care of my spirit. I'm going to sharpen my spirit. I'm going to fast and pray and grow my spirit. Because every time you say no to your flesh, you're proving to your flesh that your flesh does not own you. You ever found, ever met people that have been ruled by emotions? They say they wear their, their feelings on their sleeve, right? They, they could do well to practice some spirit care instead of self-care. Because when you begin to dethrone your flesh, you begin to operate at a different level of authority and power in your life. You will never, this is, this is let me just say it this way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, is, uh, he wrote The Cost of Discipleship, his old saint, an incredible book. But I'm going to tell you this, the older generation, Jamie and I have been talking about this, older generations, they wouldn't know what to do with us. I'm just going to tell you, they wouldn't know what to do with us. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like going to work. Like, I never saw my dad, not one day in his entire life, he's 67 now, I never remember one day my dad did not go to work. I don't ever remember being sick, rolling over and being like, just let me have a day for me. I don't ever, and he's pastored all my life, I never remember one Sunday that he was too sick to preach. That dude just got up and preached, because that's how older generations did it. You just went to work, they wouldn't know what to do with us. Like, I don't really, I don't really feel like I'm into the job thing. <laughs> well, take care of you, baby girl. Just take care of you. Take care of you as you're homeless. I mean, like, this is real life, people. Like, this is real life. Our culture's lying to you. 
Our culture is lying to us. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Me, 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 me. The opposite of Bible. The opposite of gospel. The opposite of Christ. It is not about me. It is not about you. It is about him. Myself needs to die so that my spirit can live. I need to become awakened. I need to become aware. I need to become alive in my spirit. Is this too much today? little 20-year-old dust about to come out. I was like, ease up there, boy. I want to be so God conscious that I can sense when he's in the room. I want to be so God conscious that I can hear him when he speaks. I want to be so God conscious that when my flesh is raging, I can still hear him. Your flesh will not die unless you kill it. Your flesh dies by starvation. What you do naturally in a fast is the same thing you do spiritually to your flesh. Do you know that some people say, well, I just, man, I can't believe, you know, I just fell in love with them. The reason you fell in love with them is because you focused on them. A mindset is the result of a set mind. Whatever you set your mind on becomes a mindset. Whatever you focus on, you begin to resemble, you begin to draw yourself towards. And so for many of us, we wonder, like, oh, yeah, I just fell in love with that person. You didn't just fall in love with that person. You begin to focus your attention, your attention, your affection. You begin to really admire the thing that you're, the place that your attention goes. So if you think on something, you'll begin to draw towards it. You begin, the affection will begin to grow. So if we are just a product of what we love and what we want to do and who we want to do it with and all that, then that is a result of an unruly flesh. I have to be able to have the control to tell myself no. And if you don't practice it, you won't master it. Fasting is a practice in saying, there's nothing wrong with me eating this, but I'm going to deprive myself for a season so I can practice being God-conscious instead of self-conscious. A fast is about denying you, not convincing God. Look at what I did, God. Now, No, it's not about convincing God. God wants to answer. God wants to encounter. God wants to move through you. God wants to love on you. God wants to show up for you. It's not about convincing him. It's about denying my flesh. It's about denying myself. It's about denying the things that I want to do. I, I, I ask anybody that's, when we step into a fast, I say there's two questions. I want to give them to you. Two really practical questions. Two questions you ask when you're entering a fast. First question is, what am I fasting from? Super important that you have the specifics, that you know what you're fasting from. You can't just go into a fast and be like, what am I not hungry for today? That's what I'll fast. I'm fasting vegetables all 21 days. Like, no, it's, I have to choose beforehand the thing that I want to abstain from. What am I fasting from and what am I fasting for? And I want to challenge everybody that's a part of this fast. I want you to ask for big things. I want you to ask for big things and I want you to ask for specific things. I want you to ask for measurable things so that you can see when God answers. I want you to believe God and write them down. I got a journal that every year I write in for the, for the fast of things I'm believing God for. I was looking back over a journal that I hadn't seen and hadn't looked at in a couple years, and I was reading the things back in 2015, 2014 that I was believing God for. Almost every single one of them had come to pass. I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know God answered my prayer until I went back and I looked at the things that I wrote. So, oh my goodness, God, wow. 
I wrote in this journal, sitting right here in my car, praying that God would provide for us so that we could build this. Now I look back in my journal and I can see where I wrote it. And the day that I wrote it, as I believed God, that we would be able to build a building that would house more people and more people would get saved. See, you got to write it down. You got to write it down. This passage of scripture that we read in the beginning, it gives us a clear uh, definition or a clear uh, plan of execution and how to encounter God. And I want to give you this as we begin to close. I want to give you these, these three things to encounter God through fasting. Verse six, it says, here's what I want you to do. The first thing is find. I want you to find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. A quiet and secluded place does not mean out in the woods where no one can contact you. It means a quiet, secluded place for your mind. Where can you go to focus? Where can you go to turn your phone off or to turn distractions off so that you can be with God? I'm, I'm, I'm going to find a place. Schedule a meeting with God. Put it in your calendar and keep it. And when someone says, hey, can I get breakfast with you tomorrow? Tell them, no, I'm sorry. I already have a meeting. Who's it with? Don't worry about it. He's really important. If you, you know, if you and I had a meeting and, and we're going to meet and we're going to go to lunch, I hope that you just like wouldn't like not show up. Sorry, I got busy. That's what we do to God all the time. Listen, you don't need three hours, but find 15 minutes. You said, this is sacred. It will be secluded. I will be, I, I'm, I'm going to find, I'm going to, for me, I'm just going to be honest with you a little, I, I got like a little ADD, OCD, all right? So like, I'll be like, I'm going to be with God. I'm like, is that dust on the blinds? <laughs> sit back down, like, okay, God, this is your time. How is there that much garbage in that? <laughs> sit back down and, did I make that one return? Like, that's how it works. So this is for me. This is real practical. Lights out. Dark. Like, Sometimes you come back in my office, it's like dark. People are like, what's going on in here? It's like, this poor dude needs to focus, all right? And so I got to turn everything off so I don't see anything else so I can be with God. Whatever it is for you, find a quiet, secluded place where you can be with God. That's number two. Be. Be. It says this in the scripture. It said, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. So how do I, how do I encounter God? Be there with him. Okay, what do I ask? What's the prayer? No, no, be there. Be there. You know, you, you know what I've seen is, is that for me, as I get with God, I'll just begin to worship. Don't ask him for anything. Don't tell him anything. Just begin to worship. Play some worship music. Get 1132 music. Play it and just sing those songs back to God. And I'll just begin to worship. And you know what I, I, I usually switch into? Gratitude. And I begin to thank him. I thank him, thank him that I'm not my same 20-year-old self. Thank God. I begin to thank God for all of the growth. I thank God that for my wife and my boys. Thank God for the church and you and what God's doing here. I just begin to thank him. And out of that gratitude and that worship, I'm going to tell you what happens. The presence of God comes, which is number three. It says this, your focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to, I didn't change my focus. It says my focus changes. If I find a time and I am with him, then my focus will shift off of me onto him and I will sense his grace. 
I'll sense it. I'll feel it. I'll recognize it. I'll know that it is there. How do you encounter God on a day-to-day basis? You find a time, a secluded place where you can focus. You sit there, stand there, lay there, be with him. And then as you're there with him, your focus will eventually come off of you. No more self-care. Off of me and onto him. God consciousness instead of self-consciousness. And as that happens, now I begin to sense his grace. I feel all this shame. Get with God, find a place, be with him, and then sense his grace. There's a story in in the book of Mark, chapter 9. And it's about a demon-possessed kid. His, his dad brings the boy to the disciples of Jesus. They have been walking with Jesus. They've been seeing miracles. I mean, these dudes are powerful. God, Jesus has given them all the power and authority to go do their stuff. And, and, and they try to cast the demon out, and they can't. Can you, can you just, like, picture it? Jesus is over there. The disciples are over there. And they're like, yeah, we're with Jesus. The guy's like, hey, I'm bringing my son. He's demon-possessed. I'm bringing him to Jesus. Like, you don't need Jesus, bro. I'm his disciple. Like, you don't know me? I'm Peter. I walked on water, fool. You know, it's like, I don't know where all that came from. Still at the game last night. Um, And they're like, okay, yeah, if you got the same power Jesus does. And they're like, yeah, we got it. And then they pray for him and nothing happens. Like, ah, you know, you got to trust God's timing in this. You know, excuses we make, you know, when God doesn't move. And um, finally, this dude, like, forget y'all. He goes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, your disciples. They're like, really? You rat us out like that? I mean, he says, your disciples, they, they couldn't cast this out. And Jesus, he says, we'll pick it up in Mark 9, 25. It says, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he just, this is how he dealt with it. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So the many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples, not publicly but privately, asked him, So Jesus, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Wait, there's like different kinds? I'm just trying to like... Get it. Now there's different kinds. What Jesus was saying is that there was a different level of power and authority that was on him because of prayer and fasting. Well, it was because he was Jesus. No, it was not because he was Jesus. It was because of the submission he had to the Father and his prayer and fasting. Jensen Franklin says, if Jesus could have done what he was sent to do on this earth without fasting, then why did he fast? You know, Jesus fasted. Why did he fast if he could do what he needed to do without doing it? No, he needed it, and we needed it. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. I'm going to tell you what. I want to, be, I want to have the power that Jesus had, that when anything comes at me or comes against me, I know that I have what Jesus had, and that I have prayed, and I have fasted, and there is nothing I'm going to look at and be like, I'll be back in 2020, after the 21-day fast, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to sharpen my spiritual senses. I am going to be ready. When God begins to move in your family, you can say, people will say, how did God do it? And you can say, this kind only comes out 
by prayer and fasting. People say, how did God explode your church and grow it like he did? This only happens by prayer and fasting. How is God reaching the metroplex and awakening the church of Jesus Christ around the nation? This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. How did your body get healed? We saw the doctor's report. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. What happened to your marriage? How did it get turned around? How did it get restored? This kind, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. I'm telling you, it is another level and another dimension. Oh, God, you saw my fasting, so now you answer. No. It is the dependence that comes from a fasted life. Abraham Lincoln, he's quoted as saying this. He said if he was to cut down a tree, was given six hours to cut down a tree, he said he would take the first four and use it to sharpen the axe. This is fasting. This is fasting. You can hack away at those problems all you want. But what fasting and prayer does, sharpens the axe. What he's saying is, I can do in two hours what would take me six if I take time to sharpen the blade. I'm going to tell you what God's saying to you. You can do in two what it would take you to do six if you take some time, maybe 21 days, maybe 18, if you're starting today, and you're sharpening the axe. I'm going to sharpen my spiritual senses so that I can recognize what God is doing. Maybe, just maybe, God's already been encountering you. But you didn't know. Maybe he's already speaking to you, but you didn't know it was him. Do you know how God speaks to me? Like a thought comes in my mind. That's how he speaks to me. It's not an audible voice? No, never heard an audible voice. A lot of people have. I've never had. Like an open vision, your eyes roll back and just begin to see the glory. Nope, never happened to me. Some people have, not me. I'm just like, oh, where'd that come from? And then it doesn't go away. I, I, heard, I heard somebody say this, and I think it might help somebody. If you right now picture in your head a beach ball, beach ball, got it? Got it? It's got red stripes, red and white around the beach ball. Got it? Can you see it? That's how God speaks. Thought puts in your head. You begin to see it. When you see it, it doesn't go away. That's a lot of times how God speaks. Did you know some of you are saying, oh, I think I hear God a lot. You probably do. You probably do. You probably do. Oh, I thought I was just crazy to think I need to pray for them. No, that was probably God. Oh, I thought that must have been wild, like inviting them to church. No, it was probably God. God encounters are not waiting on God to encounter us. God encounters are waiting on us to recognize him. This huge difference. Huge difference. Wait, wait, wait. Where God? Where are you? Where are you? No, it's not that. It's recognized. Where, where are you, God? Okay. God encounter. God encounter. God en- you know what my prayer has been, and I'm fasting and praying for this, for our church, is that God, I wrote this in my, in my fasting journal, like wrote it, not even typed it. It's really spiritual. I said, God, would you let God encounters break out in our church outside of our services? You'd just be driving on your way to work in the presence of God, which is fill your car. You would just sense his grace and his closeness. You'd be sitting at home reading your Bible, going through the devotional, and all of a sudden you would just sense 
God's closeness and his goodness that, that you would be talking with your wife, your husband, you guys be in conversation. All of a sudden, you just sense God encounters. Well, that's so cool. I've heard about that happening to people. It can happen to anybody if they can recognize his moving. Did you know that all over this building, there are sound waves? That's how you can hear what I'm saying. Sound, you can't see them, but they're there. They are there. You might not be able to see him, but you can hear him. You can sense him. I'm telling you, he's here. And what fasting and prayer does is it begins to sharpen your spiritual senses. When I'm full of me, it's hard for me to sense God. When I am me conscious, it is very hard for me to understand what he's doing. But when I begin to deprive me and focus on him, my flesh becomes less and less and my spirit becomes more and more and I can recognize what God is doing. What would happen if a church didn't come here as a theatrical production, but we came here because we are the living organism of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, and we came together full of faith, full of passion, full of fire, full of reckless abandon, full of words, full of God encounters, full of testimonies. I'm telling you, it'd be a matter of months and we'd shake the Metroplex. It'd be a couple more months and it would begin to ripple around the nation. People say, oh man, that sounds, wow, that's a little, that's a little lofty. I know I got to be careful sometimes what I, what I say because my vision isn't this. The vision that God gave this church is not this. You're a part of it, but it's multiplied out of you. I'll tell you what God's doing in this church is going to go around the globe because there's people that need to be awakened to the knowledge of Jesus. They need to encounter him. They don't need another production. They don't need another show. They need an encounter. And as Church 1132, we will contend for people to encounter God. The first point in our mission statement is this. Know God, which is encounter. My prayer for you this week, for the next couple of weeks, and as we conclude in church conference, is that God encounters would break out, that God would be close to us, that we would sense his goodness and his grace and his love in our daily lives. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.